You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health, the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. This week, I wanted to talk about things to think about when you're struggling with fatigue. And probably this is the number one symptom that people come into my office with. They might have other symptoms, but they come in and they're just like, I am so tired. I'm tired during the day. All I think about is going to sleep. And maybe they've been to see their general practitioner and they've kind of been checked for some basic things and everything's come back normal. Maybe not. But I just wanted to talk about some of the things to consider if you're struggling with fatigue, because there are a lot of things to consider. And there's a lot of things that can cause fatigue. And so I'm going to give you kind of a little bit of insight onto how I address kind of pinpointing what might be contributing to someone's fatigue. And a little hint here, sometimes it's not one thing. Actually, most of the time, it's not one thing. Most of the time, it's a combination of things. But so I'm going to go through all of the things that can have an impact on your body's energy levels and some kind of things you can do to test for them or some things you can kind of start to change on your own to see if those work. So first, I'm going to list off the things that when a patient's sitting in front of me, the things that are going through my head, like, hey, all right, I'm going to think about this, this, this. So the first thing I'm going to think about, and you guys should know this about me because I love talking about the adrenals. That's the first thing I'm going to think about. When I'm going to listen to their symptoms, I'm like, okay, does it seem like their adrenals are functioning well? And another little hint, in most cases, the adrenals are going to have some effect on whatever fatigue situation you're in. So I'm going to think about those. I'm also going to think about thyroid. So those are the two big hormonal contributors to general fatigue, right? So we want to make sure your adrenals are functioning well and your thyroid is functioning well. So those two things are the first two things I think about. I then think about infections. And, you know, it's funny because when I first got into practicing, I I knew I liked hormones. I knew I liked adrenal stuff. I liked estrogen, progesterone, sex hormones. I liked thyroid. It was kind of what I love to learn about in school. I love to, and I love treating patients with hormonal imbalances. I never really thought I would do as much as I do now with infectious diseases and infections in general, but they are a major contributing factor to problems with the adrenals and the thyroid, but they also can cause fatigue, right? And so when I say infections, the things that I'm typically screening for or looking for would be Lyme disease or any of the other tick-borne diseases. So that could include Babesia, Rickettsia, Ehrlichia. So there's there's a whole host of tick-borne things. And so typically what I'm doing when I, and you can do this to yourself, like, hey, have I had a tick bite at any point in my life? Am I at high risk for tick bites? Do I have dogs? Do I live in the woods? Am I spending a lot of time outside? Those can be risk factors for, you know, contracting a tick-borne thing. So looking for those and and the kind of fatigue that a tick-borne illness will cause is like the 
the bone tired fatigue. And if anyone's experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like opening your eyes feels like the hardest thing you're going to have to do. And like, you're just so tired that, and, and I've been this tired before and, and it's, it's horrible. It's like the thought of getting up to walk to the bathroom is like, oh my God, that's going to take so much energy. So it's this like, again, like bone tired fatigue. So if you're feeling that way, definitely a good idea to get screened for some tick-borne things. So back to infection. So those, I'm looking at those. I'm also going to look for Epstein-Barr virus, which you guys know I talk about that a lot, and any of the viruses in that family, which are the, is the herpes family of viruses. So that could be HHV6, that could be cytomegalovirus, that could be shingles or the herpes zoster virus. So if you've had mono, if you've had chickenpox or shingles, definitely good to get a test that looks at if those viruses are in an active state in you because they can have a major impact on fatigue. And then parasites are another thing to kind of look for. So if you've traveled a lot out of the country or if you eat a lot of weird, interesting foods, maybe a lot of raw foods, like raw meats or raw fish, honestly, anyone can get parasites, but those can be good to look at as well because those parasites, essentially, they steal your nutrients. So they're going to lower your iron levels. They're going to lower your B12 levels. They're going to they're going to make it so your body's not getting what it needs from the diet that you're consuming. So really important to look for those guys. All right. So we've got thyroid, adrenals, infections. And then, you know, one of the other major things that I, and I usually will ask, and this is something you can ask yourself if you're kind of feeling really tired, has there been any water damage in any place that you've lived? Have you, do you know you've been exposed to mold? Is there you know, do you look up at the ceiling in your office and see like stuff that doesn't look quite right? Or maybe there's been water damage in your office building. If that's the case, considering being exposed to toxic mold is something you might want to think about. If you know, yes, hey, the last house I lived in, we had crazy water damage and, you know, we tested it and there was mold and then we moved. Or maybe in your current house, you're like, yeah, you know, we did have, we did have a flood a few months ago. We cleaned it up, but I haven't been really feeling that great since that happened looking into testing for mycotoxin exposure can be super helpful. And what that looks like is there's a great test that will actually look, it's through urine, it looks at what, if there are any mycotoxins that are present in your system. And a mycotoxin is something that a toxic mold spits out. And these are things that kind of get into our tissues and they, they're not so nice to the body. They can make you extremely fatigued. They can cause central nervous system issues. They can cause depression. They can cause joint pain, they can cause rashes, they can cause a whole host of issues, but usually fatigue can be a major sign of that. So again, this is something you can think about. Has there been any possible mold exposure in you know my recent history? Sometimes even in old history, like if you've been fatigued for a long time and you're kind of like, maybe it gets worse at sometimes, but it's just kind of been low level fatigue. And maybe you lived in a really moldy dorm room when you were in college 15 years ago. If you never did anything to detox those mycotoxins, if you did have them in your system, more than likely they're still there and they could be contributing to some of your energy levels or lack of energy levels. So those things, again, you can kind of think about them, but those are really, it's really good to test for that stuff. Like you want to see like, you want to run some tests on your adrenals, run some tests on your thyroid, screen for infections, look at mold markers, look at mycotoxins. So those are all really important. Next really important thing, and this is kind of pretty basic, is your nutrient levels, particularly your iron. I cannot tell you how many times people have come in and they're like extremely fatigued and they're like, oh, and they come to me and they've listened to a lot of stuff or maybe they follow me. They're like, oh, I don't know if my adrenals or my thyroid or maybe I have mold. And, and we're kind of thinking about all that stuff. But then I run their standard panel and it comes back that they're iron's really low. And sometimes this can be from other issues like from parasites or from infections, but really low iron will make you exhausted. And 
And I'm going to talk about iron for a little bit because this is really important. Most of the time when you get screened for anemia, you'll have a CBC checked, which that stands for a complete blood count. And a complete blood count is going to look at your levels of red blood cells, your levels of white blood cells. It's going to look at the size of your red blood cells. It's going to look at how much hemoglobin your red blood cells are carrying. And hemoglobin is what allows the red blood cells to carry and deliver oxygen to the cells. And if we don't have enough hemoglobin, you're going to be really fatigued. And if your hemoglobin is low and the size of your red blood cells are low, that is typically indicative of an iron deficiency anemia. Now, you could still have low iron, but have a normal red blood cell size and a normal hemoglobin level. And this is what I see a lot. It's people like, yeah, I was screened for anemia. I'm not anemic. Meaning their red blood cells were normal, normal size. They have a normal amount of hemoglobin. Everything checked out in their CBC but they maybe didn't have the actual levels of iron run. So it's really important to get what we call an iron and a TIBC panel. And what that will look at, it will look at how much iron is floating around. It'll look at what your iron protein carriers look like. And the way I was, like when I was taught about interpreting iron labs when I was in school, I, I loved this analogy. It's basically like you have these carrier proteins and they're TIBC and UIBC or what they're called on your labs. They're basically like a school bus that has a certain amount of seats on the school bus. And then your levels of iron are like the people on the school bus. And so we're going to look at the actual number of people. We're going to look at the number of seats. And then we're going to look at what's called your iron saturation. And essentially, you want the correct saturation, which I think is between 15 and 55. So we don't want it to be, we don't want these seats to be fully saturated, but we want them to be, I like to see them like between 40 and 50 would be like the ideal saturation. So you can have problems if you have too many seats and a normal amount of iron, you might have low saturation, which that's not a great situation. You could have too much iron, which is a, that is not really what we're talking about today. But essentially, if the saturation of the amount of iron in your seats on that school bus is low, that is indicative of low iron, which can make you really tired. And I see this a lot, again, where CBC looks normal, iron is low, and saturation is really low. And then the third thing you want to look at when you're looking at iron is your ferritin level. And ferritin is a basically a backup storage account for iron. So if we think about this like in a, as a money analogy, the your red blood cells and the hemoglobin, that's like your primary checking account. That's where the body, like, and you're always going to try to keep money there so the body can easily spend iron as it needs, right? The actual iron source and that saturation, that's like your immediate, like, overdraft account. So if we lose a lot of red blood cells and the body's going to pull from the iron stores, ferritin is like your savings savings. So in a lot of cases, like I just mentioned, where the saturation is low, maybe their iron's low, but the hemoglobin and red blood cell count and red blood cell size is normal, Sometimes they also have low ferritin, which is a low savings account. And what this means is, yes, their body has enough hemoglobin and the, the cells are getting enough oxygen, but you could very easily become anemic. And so in a true iron deficiency anemia where you've got low hemoglobin and a really small red blood cell, you're going to have shortness of breath. Your, your body's going to feel really, really fatigued. You might look really pale. Sometimes if you're a female, you might actually have heavy periods, which is super weird. You would think that the body would conserve iron, but we get problems with clotting when the iron gets that low. But in a patient where the hemoglobin's normal, where the red blood cell count is normal, the size of the red blood cells are normal, and their iron saturation is low and their ferritin is low, they could just present with pretty severe fatigue. And the other thing that I see a lot is brain fog and headaches and difficulty sleeping. Sometimes we'll also see Charlie horses or restless legs and like symptoms in the evening. So 
Anyways, iron is really, really important and you want to have enough iron in all of those accounts that I was just talking about. So really making sure you've had a full iron workup, super important if you're kind of looking for fatigue. The other major nutrients that I like to look at are B12. B12 is really important for energy. And when you get a B12 level checked in the blood, the reference range I think goes from like 230 up to 1200. Ideally, B12 should be over 800. So if your B12 is, you know, 400, 500, you probably would want to take some B12. So even just having slightly lower levels of B12 can contribute to fatigue. If you're taking a B12 supplement and your B12 levels are elevated, that's totally normal. It's not something to be concerned about. If you're taking a B12 and your levels are still low, they're not over 800, that means you're probably not absorbing them, which leads into my next thing that I want to talk about in terms of troubleshooting fatigue, one of the other things that we're going to look at is your gut health. And if you're not absorbing things well for various reasons, if you're not absorbing your nutrients well, you might be taking them, you might be supplementing with them, you might be eating a healthy diet, but if that absorption piece isn't there, those nutrients aren't getting into the into the bloodstream and they may be not getting into the cells. And that's where we need them in order for them to give us energy and help combat our fatigue. So addressing GI health is really, really important. And I, we talk about this a lot on the show, how important, you know, your gut health is for various reasons, but you know, for fatigue, it's really important. And so making sure you're having normal bowel movements, making sure we're not having diarrhea and we want normal, healthy bowel movements, making sure there's no bloating, there's not an excess amount of gas. So if you're having any of those, or if there's, you know, if you're having severe bloating and, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you heard from Dr. Anna talking about SIBO, you know, if you've got SIBO, you're going to be really tired. And that's because SIBO is affecting the small intestine, which is where we're supposed to absorb our nutrients. So addressing absorption, really, really important. A note here, I have a lot of patients that take antihistamines for allergies. So let's say Zyrtec or Claritin or something like that, because, you know, when they're in the fall or the spring, you know, and allergies are up, we take those medications. Now, those medications could be great for allergies, but one of their side effects is that they they dehydrate your mucous membranes. And what happens when you dehydrate mucous membranes is particularly in the mucous membrane of the small intestine is the cells that line the small intestine, which is where we actually absorb nutrients, they will start to get dehydrated. So they will shrivel up. And when they're shriveled, they don't absorb well. So if you're someone who's like really struggling with fatigue and you've got bad allergies and you take Zyrtec, Claritin, or any of the above, Benadryl, any of those things, that might be something to consider taking a break from because it can have a really major impact on the absorption of your nutrients. So just also something to consider. So those are kind of the the things that, you know, you you really want to like think about them if you're like struggling, struggling with fatigue and you're like, you might want to think about all these pieces, but you probably are going to want to work with somebody to help you kind of assess like the actual lab values, like looking at what is your cortisol level, looking at your thyroid hormones, screening for infections, looking at your nutrient levels. There are other nutrient levels. Iron and B12 are the, are the biggest ones that I tend to, to see be most involved with fatigue. Like magnesium and zinc and iodine can also have an impact, but those are, again, B12 and iron are the ones you absolutely need to get checked if you're um, dealing with fatigue. So some of the other things, and these might be obvious to you, but I'm going to mention them anyways, is obviously if you're not sleeping enough, that can have a major impact on fatigue. So creating some sort of really good sleep hygiene practice is is really important for your energy. Now, if you're sleeping really well and you're still really tired, this is a red flag to go and do the aforementioned things that I was just talking about, you know, because that could indicate something else is going on. 
If you're not sleeping well, either you're going to bed late or waking up too early or waking up frequently, that might be obviously one of the reasons why you're tired. So working on getting your sleep better could be helpful. Now, some people really struggle with insomnia and that's what we need to troubleshoot when we're trying to address the fatigue, obviously. And if you're kind of not sure what's affecting your sleep, go work with someone who can kind of help you figure that out. Another kind of basic thing that can contribute to us being fatigued is not getting enough sunlight. So if you're in, you know, a dark room, right, sitting at a desk on a screen for the majority of your day, majority of your week, and this is going to make you tired. It makes your brain tired. Our bodies naturally get energy from the sun. Now, and it's kind of why in the winter, energy tends to dwindle a little bit. Mood tends to go down a little bit because we don't get as much sunlight. So if you're kind of like, yeah, that's me. I spend a lot of time sitting at a desk, staring at a computer. I don't get outside very much. One, see what you can do to get more sunlight. You know, maybe just 10 to 15 minutes in the morning can be really, really helpful for boosting energy. Also boosting your mood helps circuit, reset circadian rhythms is a, a really easy and very impactful practice. But if you're not able to do that, let's say that, you know, you've got, I don't know, a major deadline to meet and you have to be in the office or whatever it is, I highly recommend a light therapy box or a light box for light therapy, which you can get them on Amazon. There's a brand called Verilux. They're like $40. You can sit them next to your bed. You turn it on in the morning and it will expose you to the light spectrum that is similar to the light that we get from the sunlight. And this is really great for the body. It's great for mood. It's great for seasonal depression, but it can really be good for energy. So that is a tip I highly recommend. Red light therapy, you guys know I've talked about that before. We've had some other guests come on the show to talk about that. It's also fantastic for boosting energy. And the really great thing for that red light therapy does is it stimulates the production of ATP in the mitochondria, which ATP is the actual like unit of energy. So another thing that we can kind of address when we're troubleshooting fatigue, and this might be something you want to address if you're working with whatever practitioner you're working with is addressing your mitochondrial health and making sure your mitochondria are healthy. Now, some of the things that are important for mitochondria are adrenals, thyroid, and making sure there aren't infections or the things I talked about, but nutrient levels are really important. And sometimes when we're trying to stimulate mitochondrial, you know, extra production and, and boost the levels of ATP, we will we will high dose certain nutrients to kind of flood the system with those nutrients, which will amp up the production of ATP. So making sure your mitochondrial health is in a good place can also be really helpful for fatigue. Like I said, red light therapy, sunlight also does this, but red light takes the spectrum. Red light is the spectrum that directly impacts those mitochondria. So you can get red light devices that you can keep at home. You can expose your you know, full body. You can expose them. I really, a lot of my patients put the red light like directly on their thyroid. If there's any thyroid issues, you could put it over the adrenals if you want to you know, kind of affect the adrenal tissue. We have a red light bed here in the office, which is fantastic. I love getting in that thing, particularly in the winter. I just feel like it gives you just a little energy, a little energy boost and it feels warm and it's light. I don't know. It, it makes you feel good. So red light therapy can be a really great addition. And the last thing to consider that I'm going to talk about today when we're kind of looking at fatigue is looking at like what in your life is making you passionate. And if you don't have a lot of that, if you're kind of like, if life has kind of gotten to the point where it's kind of boring or it's not that exciting and you wake up and it kind of feels like Groundhog Day, that can be tiring, right? You're just kind of like, like, what's the point? Or I'm just, I'm going through the motions. So sometimes, and sometimes I work with patients and we kind of go through all the things I just talked about and we, and we work on them. And, you know, maybe they're 
energy levels improve a little bit. Like maybe they did have some adrenal stuff going on. Maybe they did have an EBV infection and maybe low iron. And like I said, fatigue is usually a combination of several of these things that we've talked about today. And so, you know, and if you've, if you've been through this and you were like, Hey, Dr. Kinney, I've done all of these things. I get good sleep. I get good sunlight. I have a red light. My gut health is good. And you're still tired. This is where we kind of move into the like, okay, the physical realm is probably doing pretty well. And that's great. Then we kind of move into like this emotional spiritual realm and looking at like, Hey, like maybe your soul's not, nothing's lighting your soul up. You need, and so if, if that's you, you know, trying to find out what would make, set your soul on fire. What would make you feel really good? What would like You'd be so excited to get out of bed in the morning to go do, because if you don't have that, sometimes that can make your body feel tired. And, you know, and there are certain times in life where we don't have space for that. And, you know, I've been in that place, like for a lot of women, like when your babies are little, right after you've had a baby, it can be hard to have outside passion. I mean, being a mom, you can be passionate about that, but you're exhausted from being a mom. So, and you know, if you've gone through like an incredible amount of stress, like let's say I went through this when I got divorced, I feel like I didn't feel that passionate about a lot of stuff because I was kind of beaten down and not in a good place. But so there, there can be times in life where maybe that's just not going to happen because of the situation that you're in. But if if you're kind of like, hey, life is life is pretty good. Like I don't have any major stressors going on right now. My kids are in a good place. My work is okay, and you're still just tired, it might be that there's just nothing in your life that's lighting you up. And that could be maybe like, that could be sex with your partner. Maybe you need to like reignite, you know, what's going on in your romantic relationship. Maybe you need to start a passion project on the side, or maybe, you know, you need to take a class or start a garden. Or, you know, I think there's, in today's world, a lot of us get so focused on the grind. Hey, I've got to take my kids to all the things. I've got to, you know, work all these hours at work. I've got to keep up with all the TV shows. And maybe you're passionate about TV shows, but having a hobby or having something outside of that daily grind can be really helpful for your energy levels. And if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds crazy, definitely do the work in the physical realm first. Like that's where you need to start. You start there, you make sure that the physical body is in a good place. But like I said, if the physical body, if you've done all the things to take care of the physical body and you're still feeling fatigued, it might not be a physical thing. It might be that, you know, your soul needs to be lit up. So if that's you, I highly encourage you to go maybe try out some hobbies or try out some different things or take a class. I recently downloaded the Mind Valley app. I don't know why it's taken me so long to check that out, but they have these great courses on there. I'm, I'm actually doing one that Vision, the founder, started. He's the founder of Mind Valley. And again, if you don't know Mind Valley, go look it up. It's a it's a really cool company. I've heard him speak several times, and there's just tons of online courses available to you. Some of them are meditation based. Some of the one I'm doing is it's called like Be Extraordinary. It's really interesting. And I, I wake up in the morning, I'm really excited to listen to it. And so when you have that excitement, that gives you energy, right? So if there's something that you're really excited about, your energy levels are going to go up. So that's kind of my last thing to look at is look at where where in your life you have passion or where you don't have passion. And that could be another thing to kind of address when you're kind of troubleshooting what's going on with energy levels. So hopefully this was helpful. And if you're kind of struggling and you need some help, reach out to somebody. You know, if you're local and you want to work with me, awesome. I'm happy to, you know, help you through this stuff. Dr. Anna, our other naturopathic doctor, is really good with troubleshooting fatigue as well. You know, acupuncturists, chiropractors, there are so many professionals and, and practitioners out there that can help you with a lot of these pieces. So if you're struggling, remember to get help because it's really nice to feel supported. All right, guys, hope you have a great week. I'll see you next week. 
hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. Be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and a review. It supports me so much. Plus, I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week.